Hey team, just before we get into Case Study Sunday, I want to let you know that we are going live at our events in Christchurch, Auckland and Wellington this coming week. We cannot wait to see you there. Just go to opuspartners.co.nz slash tickets to get your special offer. Welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Tim Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And to our show, we've got another case study Sunday. And this is going to be a fun one because we are sitting here with producer Dave. Yes, you've heard his name many times on the show before. Producer Dave, this, producer Dave, that. He edits the podcast. He does all the webinars, sets everything up. He's the reason you're hearing us now. And today you're going to hear about him. And we're also going to get into some of the behind-the-scenes stuff about the podcast. Producer Dave, welcome along to the show. Thank you for having me. Isn't it amazing that everyone now knows he's an actual person? And we don't just use an imaginary producer Dave just to bicker about so, what we leave on the cutting room floor. Some AI in the background. <laughs> so Dave, tell us, what's it like editing and producing the Property Academy podcast? It's become very automatic for me. So every week, Tuesday becomes recording day. So seven episodes are recorded, I will be in the room for two, maybe three, film one, then go up and start the process of getting the video for next Monday ready and then come down after the last record, so probably midday, get the files and start editing the podcast Tuesday afternoon. So basically our timeline is record on Tuesday and have everything ready to go on a Friday. And how long does it take to edit one episode? There are variables, but average time is 45 minutes to one hour. Uh, an hour to edit out all the ums, bickering, swear words that Ed accidentally uses and fix it, make it sound pretty. Yeah. Since we changed the process, I think it was probably about 500 episodes ago, we changed the process on how we record and it's become easier to separate things out, although not always. <laughs> and of course, we're talking to you because not only do you edit the show, but you've recently become a property investor. And we're going to get into that in a second. But I know people always ask about the mechanics of how the show works. So what sort of things do you end up cutting? And what sort of stuff do you end up leaving? And I'm partly asking for myself because I don't always listen to the show. I listen to every episode. I've heard every episode of the podcast. It's sort of, how do I put it? My media training has given me the skill to know what's okay what can fly and what can't. Sometimes there's, there's some stuff that I think, oh, no, that shouldn't be going to air. And just, yeah, all the arms, the R's, when I walk through the door mid-recording or when someone in the next room is making a loud noise or just like last week when the fire siren was going off, I, I had to cut that entire take. Now, turning to property, I know you came from a media background. You'd worked with stuff. You'd worked with some other media organisations. Before you started working on the Property Academy podcast, what did you think about property investors and property investment? I really had no opinion. I mean, I'd been a renter for a long time and most of my landlords were pretty good. I mean, I had one many years ago that was a bit dodgy, but I mean, there's one in every crowd, you know, you're going to get one occasionally. I never had an issue renting off of anyone. I understood the process. It's like, well, I'm paying your mortgage. I don't have a problem with that. For that, I get a safe, dry house, and usually they're pretty new. So, yeah, didn't have an issue. And what was the moment where you thought, maybe I'd invest in property? Well, 
I never thought I'd own a house. So when my partner and I moved back from Sydney, we basically bought a house sight unseen off of Trade Me. We had friends go through it. We paid for it. We'd never been there. So that was our first home together. She'd previously owned a home in Christchurch. And that was just the start of, well, I, I've always thought that property is a safe bet for your future, for your retirement. So we started looking into it when I started working here and we tried, I think a year ago or so, we tried to get a mortgage. We got offered something by the bank, but there were so many conditions around it and the money they were offering was only like 400K. So I'm not buying a place on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, smart. That's episode 736. Well, <laughs> these days, the West Coast, sometimes you can't buy for 400k, depending on which part of the coast it is. So, Producer Dave, are you telling me that it wasn't listening to our two melodious voices that convinced <laughs> you to buy, a, buy an investment property? Well, yes, Stockholm Syndrome. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. You've, uh, you've pummeled me into submission and I've purchased a, an investment property. For all of you partners of listeners of the show that you think you have to suffer through Ed and I for 15 minutes a day because your partner listens to it, think about poor old Dave that listens to that times 10. Uh, and what about your partner? What did she think about investing in property when you said, that's it, I've been listening to these guys, I've been editing this podcast, I want to buy an investment property. Was she easy to convince? At first, no. She's still cautious. She's of the mindset that you pay down your mortgage and that's your retirement. Your house is your retirement. And I'm thinking more of the big picture where we have a, we have a five-year-old and I don't want to be working forever and children are expensive. So we need something to cover us because I don't want to be on the pension if I can help it. So yeah, property, I mean, we could do shares, but I, I'm one of these people that you can't see a share. It's, it's, it's a digital number that doesn't exist whereas a house is an actual tangible product so I just see safety in housing. And so what did you end up investing in? We bought a two-bedroom, two-bathroom townhouse in Addington for 579. That was episode number 1036 and uh, all the other episodes we've done on Addington. <laughs> I actually really like Addington and as, a, as an area I think it I think Ed has said that it's, it's one of the underrated suburbs in Christchurch, but it seems to be booming at the moment. But there is a lot of suburbs that are, so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the day where we find some other suburbs. You know, <laughs> I'm going to, I'll do something else and start picky on other suburbs. But do you know, the other reason why Addington always comes up is because when I filter my spreadsheets by alphabetical Begins order, it's always at the top, so it's the top, the top of, of mind for me. Next, we'll be talking about Avondale in Auckland or something along those lines. And... You've been listening to the show, obviously, for a long time. You probably joined us before our first year was Just after up. COVID. No, it was actually before COVID. The funniest thing is that I remember we'd just hired David and then lockdown was announced and everybody was thinking, gosh, was that really a good idea? Then we got him to start early because we thought oh, we'd better, better go hard on this digital podcasty stuff. But you've been listening to the show for, for a long time, probably at least three years. What surprised you or did anything surprise you when you started investing? How involved it is. I was, yeah, I was not aware of how many ores you need to have in the water and how completely out of my depth I would have been if I hadn't had a team of professionals around me, like the property partner and Michelle from Opus Mortgages. They really do the heavy lifting. I 
I think back to when we had Di Foster on the podcast a few weeks ago now, when she said she's a lazy investor, I want to take that mantle off of her. I just, I do not even want to think about it. I just want to get the, the bills that are owing, pay them off and let someone else do everything else. I just come and send me in 15 years. What were some of those oars in the water that, that surprised you and think, oh God, I don't even know what to do about that? Stuff like chattel valuations and building inspections and council interaction. It's like, well, I just thought you paid for a house. And that was, <laughs> that was it. it. You, know, you just buy a house and you, you don't worry about any of that. But yeah, there's so many things. Um, like I've got a list of things I still have to tick off before we come to settlement. It's really interesting. Even some investors who have bought several properties and they might come and see me and, and we'll just do a review and, and you know, they might be big fans of the podcast and they say, oh, great, we love your content. We bought a couple of properties because we've been listening to it. And then we go through some of the things that we would have made sure that they do had they were using us, but, they, you know, they'd missed because they didn't know that, you know, you have to order the chattel valuation if you want to minimise your tax. You have to get the building inspection so you can sign all that off. You, you have to do all these small things, but they add up to big things in the long run. And what's been your biggest learning from, from listening to the show? It has been to get the professionals, get a team around you that are qualified to do the jobs you need, a qualified property accountant that can take a load of stress off your mind. The whole Opus team doing their magic behind the scenes and just making me feel a lot more at ease and my partner a lot more at ease. And given that you've listened to every single episode of the show, what are your highlights? I think I like the most the way that you guys have changed in three years. You've become more you. There's more of you coming through in the shows. When you started, you were a bit more, not cautious, but a bit more focused on producing high quality, but not, <laughs> not having the personality in there. And it's, it's what makes the show what it is, is the, the mix of personality and data and everything. The knowledge and the personality have created the show, I think. Now we just bicker with each other the entire time. I try and think of all of his flaws, of which there are many, and just bring them up constantly. Well, I've got hard drives full of that. So. <laughs> you see, producer David is the only person who will never get made redundant because the amount of recorded dirt he's got between Andrew and myself, it'd be just obscene. That and the fact that he's excellent, but yes, both of those points, Ed. Now, what's next for you in your property portfolio? So you mentioned that you don't want to just have to live off the pension. So what does your portfolio look like in, say, 10 years' time? I think we're going to look at getting another another place in probably three years. Our first one hasn't even been built yet. It's it's not due till April next year. So then we'll get some tenants and start paying that down and then look, I don't know, elsewhere in three years' time. So I don't know what the market's going to be like in three years' time. I don't know where's going to be good. Obviously, Auckland's always good, but it may be out of our reach, so we'll see. There's a podcast you can listen to. Well, and the good thing about Case Study Sundays, obviously, is it's not just about people who own 17 properties and started buying property 10 years ago and have seen everything. I mean, it's about the mix of the people who are just starting out and the people who have been in it for, for 30, 40 years, because we could learn something from everyone. Because if you're out there and haven't bought your first investment property yet, somebody like producer Dave or some of the other people we've had on the show 
you know, that's going to be much more relevant to you than just hearing the war stories of somebody who started buying when a, when a house was a shilling and two farthings or something along those lines. And so I do want to say for anybody out there who's been thinking, oh, I'd love to talk, I'd love to go talk to those guys on Case Study Sunday on the podcast, but oh, I've only got one property, or oh, I've only got two properties, or oh, I've only just bought my first home. We still want to hear your stories as well, because you're all part of this property investment community that we're building. You're all part of the Property Academy podcast family. So send us a message on Instagram. We are at opus underscore partners, or flick me an email at opuspartners.co.nz so that we can get you on the show as well, because this has probably been one of the best things we've done all year, is say, you know what, all of the case study Sundays, it's going to be about you guys, the people who listen to the show, sharing your stories. And of course, if you want to meet us in person this week, we are in Wellington on Thursday, we're in Auckland on Saturday, Christchurch, you guys are next week, so get your tickets, come along, we want to meet you in person, opuspartners.co.nz slash tickets, or the link is down in the show notes. And producer Dave, thanks so much for being on the show. Listen to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Tim McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the use of the property market. Until next time. <laughs>